The Rolling Stones from their new album, Blue and Lonesome, doing the little Johnny Taylor hit, Everybody Knows About My Good Thing. And everybody knows about the good thing we do here on the morning train every Friday at 10 a.m. at Mutiny Radio. So until we do it again next week, this is J.D. Buell saying, make it a great day for somebody.
This is a news program, so we'll be talking about the news and current events and things that uh, may tend to trigger people, uh, myself included. So I'm also using that trigger warning for myself. I may get triggered while doing this program, as I do pretty much every week. This is Mutiny Radio. We are located in the lovely Mission District in San Francisco on Ohlone land, if we're going to talk about the, the land itself and where where it came from and where it's been and the original uh, folks who were here before it was colonized. I think that's uh, important to, to point out. So what's happened in this past week? Jeez, I don't know. Just a lot. Um, I'm kind of reaching a breaking point, and I know I'm not alone in that. There seems to be, there's an article posted recently that was just like, um, things have been kind of progressively getting worse, and it's not just this year alone. Yes, Prince and David Bowie died, and people are like, ugh, what a start to the year, ugh. We lost these incredible artists. And then, of course, with the election, uh, that also, and then also just tragedy after tragedy. Um, and then when we think about the world itself, though, and how there have been tragedies <laughs> pretty much throughout uh, throughout time, and maybe now more people are being aware, becoming more aware of it, whether that's uh, social media or words getting out, or things have reached a point where people can no longer uh, you know, look away. People are still looking away, though. Uh, I've been to I've been doing a protest, which feels great. It feels good to be out there. Um, if folks are able, not I know not everyone's able to, but if you're able to, I recommend going out to a protest. Uh, I spoke at one, and that felt good, too. It's great to have a megaphone. Uh, I'm thinking about if I had a megaphone all the time, I would just go around yelling at men. Some men. A lot of men, though. Just like the bros and some law enforcement and people who... Ugh, I think that would be really very validating. <sighs> So it's good. It's good to go out and to, to meet other people who are also um, taking action and also speaking out, and it helps one feel a lot less alone. So I encourage people. There's a lot of there's a lot of protests happening. There's an event on Facebook. I know it's Facebook, and ugh, gross, right? But ugh, for the time being, we're using it as a platform. Some of us are anyway. For the folks who are underground, more power to you. Um, so if you go to Arts Resistance... Uh, that's an organization. Zarina Zabriskie, who's been a guest on this show, um, has organized, there's an event from December 10th to the 19th, and there are protests happening nationwide in dozens of cities, pretty much like it's been like every day in all the state capitals and a lot of different cities. So not just like, you know, every now and then someone walks by and they have a concert t-shirt on. Not so much anymore, unfortunately, but someone will be like, oh, I saw the first band that came to mind, if I'm going to do the whole improv, like the first thing that comes to your mind, the band Rush. I don't really necessarily like them. And I know they're like super libertarian. So, uh. however, and I, I know that, you know, Neil Pert was a great drummer. So I, I don't want to, why am I talking about this band? Anyway, they're the first band that came to my mind. If someone was like wearing a Rush shirt and on the back had like their tour dates on it with different cities, it'd be like that times 10. That's how many cities are having protests. 
So go out there if you're able to, please. If you think there might not be one in your town, there actually will be. I almost guarantee it. So it feels good to be out there. There's a couple, there's one on Saturday that went from Embarcadero to City Hall, and then it kind of broke off as some protests do. And we went in front of the Twitter building. And the whole idea to get Trump's uh, Twitter account suspended is because it doesn't follow the the policies. They have a policy against hate speech and, you know, inflaming, you know, getting folks to commit violent acts. And that's what he's been pretty much doing, threatening people. And since he also has a lot of followers and apparently Twitter's not doing so well, I heard this from an inside source, not really an inside source, but just someone who knows more about tech than me, which is a lot of people, uh, they're not doing so well. So I think they can rely on the funds that uh, come with having someone like him in their ranks or as a person who uses that platform. So we were, you know, protesting it's in San Francisco, of course. So we were protesting outside the, the front of the building. But actually, we tried to go in on Saturday and it's really interesting because occasionally if you go to a protest, you know, stuff with the police is very precarious. That's, and we all know my feelings about law enforcement. If you don't, we'll talk about it. So it's interesting to see how cops were at first, you know, escorting us across the street and like as if for a protest, they'll sometimes, depending on the protest and depending on who's at the protest, of course, uh, they kind of were very hands off. And then as soon as folks just wanted to go into the, the, Twitter, the Twitter building to like start talking to people, the cops kind of lined up all f- out front. And a lot of them went into the lobby and they had their, their nightsticks out. And we, of course, were just like, we just want the guy's uh, Twitter to be suspended so he can stop inflaming hate speech. You know, we kind of just want that. You don't need your nightstick out. Um, so that was, that was happening on Saturday. Then there's another one on Monday that was for women and allies. There was one in Oakland and one in New York. There's also more, I meant to say San Francisco, but also, yeah, there's one in New York. They're across the country. And there's one in San Francisco too. So I went to the one in San Francisco. And then we also ended up going to the Twitter building afterwards. And something that's really cool is that you can be outside fr- out front and holding signs or chanting. And some folks will come, will come out and might look at you or, or talk or whatever. And then other people walking by will give the thumbs up. And that feels really reassuring too, because of course there's some people who are like, protests don't change anything. And then they don't really look at history because protests do change things. It's not, you can't really go into the system to change the system. I think there are some folks who tried, maybe you can like alter a few things here and there. So I want to, I think in the grand scheme of things for like really big things, it has to happen from without outside of the system. And also on Saturday, um, it's really cool. I ran into this guy I hadn't seen in a long time. And he just kind of stumbled upon the protest and decided to join. And that was really cool, too, for folks who haven't... I've been meeting people who have never been to a protest before. And it's like, yeah, welcome. Um, yeah, never too late to join. Well, I guess it can be. I mean, but yes, d- come on. Come on out if you haven't. If you're able to and you can come out, great. So we ended up talking to this one guy who came by. And at first, he was very... The way he was defending Trump, it seemed like he would be a supporter. But he's like, oh, no, I hate that guy. I just He doesn't quite maybe recognize how dangerous he is, I suppose, and the people that he's appointing. And again, I'll be clear in that I don't have respect for the Democrat Democratic Party either. You know, it's not like, let's put Hillary Clinton in and everything will be fine. I don't believe that. So I'll just make that clear. Anyway, this guy comes through and he's very much like, well, and he's talking about how his like rabbi was attacked or something, you know, and it's like someone who's like firsthand seeing how the, the increase in hate crimes. And he was still just like, well, oh, well, it's not that bad. And if people really want to make change, then, you know, donate to charity or, or, or do yeah. it was very much a, like, let's kind of sit it out. And my friend and I were like, no, you can't sit this out. This is not acceptable. And his, his argument was that protests don't work. And my argument against that was that, 
clearly they work because if we hadn't been outside protesting and my friend and I were a little bit removed from the larger group, this person wouldn't have seen us and we wouldn't have been engaging in this conversation. And we spoke for a few minutes and we exchanged some ideas and clearly I'm talking about it now. So there was a shift in terms of how I think about things and how this person thinks about things. And that's the, the main idea, I think, behind the protest. Yes, things might not happen very quickly, or suddenly we might not have these end results. Like, it'd be great to go out for like a three-hour or two-hour or one-hour protest, and all of a sudden people are like, oh, wait a second, you're, you're right, or let me rethink this, and let's change our, our policies, and let's change our ways immediately. That would be great. At the very least, though, if one person walks by and says, okay, I thought I was alone in how I felt, and now I realize that I'm not, that changes. If someone who hadn't thought about something and now is like, oh, let me think about this, that's a big thing that changes. People are in positions of power who think they can get away with anything, which has been going on for way far too long, to recognize that there is that there are people out there who oppose them, that changes things too. It's very empowering. So that's my little pro protest rant. That's great. I told someone to fuck off yesterday and it felt great. It was online, so there we go. It was more uh, uh, a friend, casual acquaintance, had a post up just about how just don't be transphobic pretty much. And people were commenting on it and I was like, Oh Lord. <sighs> so again, one can make arguments. And then also it's like, how do you argue for your own existence? And that's something I've been talking about with friends a lot of time that, that happens with like a lot of marginalized communities. We have to like argue for our own existence. It's a common theme, unfortunately. So I was, it was like also in the middle of the night. I couldn't really sleep having sleeping issues as a lot of people have since the election or even before the election been having sleeping issues some days are better than others and i recognize being online isn't helpful you're not supposed to be in front of a screen before you go to bed or pretty much at all i don't think screens are very healthy for us but for some reason i just didn't grab a book instead which i think would have been far more beneficial so i didn't want to leave it alone and then it also seemed like no one was there were some folks who were like clearly like don't be a transphobe. And then, there, but there wasn't enough, I feel, because I feel like everyone should be, if you're going to question my existence, that's pretty fucked up. And the existence of people who've been around for generations, like it's not, you know, it's not even, it's not just about me. It's about so many people I care about and so many people I love and so many people who've been around forever. And I think about the friends I've lost this year and recently and friends who were fucking incredible people and living in a really transphobic society. And there was an article that came out also on, in Psychology Today that had some problematic language in it, but overall was, I think, pretty decent. And it was just talking about how all the mental health conditions that trans folk face, pretty much the majority, it's due to mistreatment and rejection and stigma. So, and again, it's one of these things that happens a lot where I find a survey or a study that proves what we already know, where it's like, you know, climate change is real. It's like, yeah, we kind of knew this, but yes, a study helps. Thank you. So we can uh, verify our, our points or, you know, police are murdering people. Like, we know this. And then also, here's a study. Here is evidence, which is, and it's so frustrating to have to rely on this outside source to, like, prove what we already know. And at the same time, whatever we can use to, like, throw back at people who are disagreeing with us and not accepting the facts, I think is helpful and useful. So... Ideally, if it hadn't been like three or four in the morning and I had been maybe well rested, I could have said, you know, let's not argue about my existence and the existence of, you know, millions of people over time. Um, you're, you're wrong. And also going back to what the conversation I had with Brother Damien last week, which is really great. I've, I encourage folks to go back and listen to last week's episode. It was really fucking great conversation. A lot of it, 
with transphobia and other biases, people have their own biases that they read into into it. So it's not even about the other person that they're like offended by or don't believe. They kind of have their own judgment and ideas about it that they project onto other people. So I could have gone with that route. I could have also posted the article I mentioned about how the all the problems, <laughs> the majority of problems that trans folks have is due to transphobia. Could talk about all this. Um, and instead, I was just like, um, I'm a trans person because no, no one else who is, I guess, at least out had you know commented on it that I saw anyway. I also didn't read the whole thing because I didn't want to be too triggered. Um, so I said, you know, trans person here, uh, if you're you know if you're questioning my existence or I think that that's something that's wrong with me, go fuck yourself. And then I, I you know clicked out of it and I just did not go back to the thread. And that turned out to be the smartest thing I've done in a very long time because I ended up contacting the person whose page it was and just saying, oh, because I saw people responding to my comment. And I had a feeling, and these are people I did not know, I had a feeling that these were not going to be people being like, well said, or like, I'm trans too, yeah. Or, you know, that's so true. Yeah, those people should go fuck themselves. So apparently I didn't go back to read it. I didn't go back to read what these other people were commenting. But my friend was like, oh, I'm so sorry. They were saying some really, they're saying some really horrible things. So it was a good instinct for me to, you know, say, fuck you, and then leave it alone. And then also, um, I took a cue from my friend Elle, who had, who had uh, co- like posted or tagged me in, a, in another thread. Um, this Milo D-bag. I hate that word, D-bag. But whatever. I don't know. He's a, a human being who's... Oh, I can't even fucking get into it. So he's been speaking. He's this fucking white supremacist gay self-hating gay guy transphobic misogynist like gross 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 all the way over uh so he's been getting speaking engagements at colleges here like why is he fucking getting speaking engagements and other people who like promote love and like acceptance are not i mean that's just oh gross super gross so he was speaking at university of of wisconsin at milwaukee i believe and he like named like a, a trans there's a student in the in the room who happened to be trans and he like outed her and started making fun of her and then other people were like joining in and she got and rightfully so got fucking pissed off and like kind of left and she has decided to drop out of school so this guy is like active i mean it's like fucking ruining lives and so the student she like wrote to the chancellor and because the chancellor was like and people have been warning the chancellors and there's also if i get to it and I've been posting about this too. You can, because he'll be at, he's supposed to be at Berkeley on February 1st. Maybe we can prevent that from happening. You can contact the chancellors, be like, no, we do not. And I'm, there's a difference between free speech and hate speech, I feel. If you're actively saying this marginalized group needs to, like, people who are already being, you know, persecuted, if you're, I mean, like, fuck that. Like, no. And I also recognize, like, where do you draw the line? Because one could, but I think if you're arguing in self defense for one's existence, that, how, ugh. Anyway, so this trans student who I wish I could contact and maybe we'll hopefully find a way to, um, I mean, can you fucking imagine what that's like? You go somewhere and then you're like singled out and everyone's like fucking laughing at you just for your fucking identity. So the chancellor who ignored all the warnings that this guy Milo was going to come in and be a dick. Um, and that's an insult to dicks. Um, this chancellor was like, oh, we, I don't agree with him and blah, 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 blah. You know, this kind of like kind of backpedaling. But clearly he didn't heed the warning because if he had, he wouldn't have allowed Milo to speak in the first place. And so this, this student wrote the chancellor and was like, go fuck yourself. You know, fuck you. And I think that's maybe where I took my cue from just to be like, no, fuck you. You are not, you're not here for the students if you are going to allow this to happen. 
So I would like to see more of that. And I've been joking slash totally serious for a while. The idea of having like an all female army or an all trans army. And I know there's a lot of fucking trans folks who are military or ex-military. Like I'm serious about it. Like, and that's the thing too. Like I, I was considering myself a pacifist and I'm really not anymore. Because, and I recognize in the long term, yes, nonviolence is the way to, is good and helpful. And at the same time, they're already using violence against us. And it's not even just like the physical violence of people being fucking murdered. Thinking about like black people being murdered by cops and being murdered by pedestrians. Thinking about like women who don't have access to reproductive health care and being attacked. Thinking about gay kids who like take their own lives and like trans people being murdered and like committing suicide thinking about people who can't get like health insurance and then die because they can't get health care. That's murder. So they're already using violence against us. So when are we going to fight back? I really, 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 really feel that. I'm just like itching. I'm itching and I'm not, I've never owned a gun. I've never, I don't have the desire to. And at the same time, I'm thinking about self-defense and I'm thinking about my loved ones and people I want to protect and help. And I don't want there to be anyone else who has to go through what people have been going through. So when are, when, when is this going to happen? When are we going to, to fight back in a way that goes beyond the, and I do believe in education. Absolutely. And I also believe in the urgency of it though, because it's not like this is something new. It's not that marginalized communities are suddenly since November 8th having a tough time. This has been going on for a really long time, and there have been a lot of people who haven't been doing a fucking thing about it. And that's the thing I'm really angry about, is folks kind of sitting by and not doing anything. And just saying, oh, it's, it doesn't affect me, so I won't, I won't say anything. I won't step up. And that's part of the problem. Because if people were to be like, hey, don't do that, and holding people accountable, it's like going to the whole the few bad apples in the police department. Well, if there were only a few fucking bad apples, wouldn't all the good apples stop paying into the police officers' association to defend them when they're like being prosecuted for murdering people? They're complicit. And maybe I should say we're complicit because as someone who's an American citizen, like, hello, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff they, the government's done in terms of like military operations abroad. Military operations here. So I'm, I should fucking include myself in that and like take responsibility for that as well. <sighs> Feels good to get this out. We have a great program. We got an awesome guest uh, calling, <laughs> calling in. So please don't assume that I'm... I mean, it's, it's good. It's good that I um, uh, feel this angry. And I think it's righteous anger. And perhaps if a lot of us were able to express our anger more, we'd live in a different society. I think that'd be a lot better for a lot of us. Because the people who are expressing their anger seem to be the people who are already really entitled. You know, it's that the folks who are like, oh, I want to wave my Confederate flag. Nah, nah. Like, oh, women are like doing things. I can't deal with it. Nah. Gay people want to get married. Oh, nah. It's like people who refuse to like th this idea. There's a great quote that's, and the idea behind it is uh, whenever you, assuming that other people have um, equality, it makes people somehow feel like they're, they're, they're being oppressed somehow or like they have to give up some kind of privilege. And it's like, come on, there's room enough for everybody. <sighs> anyway, it feels really good. It feels really good to yell. And I feel pretty angry. And I was talking to JD, who's on the show before, and I was just like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. I really, really fucking don't. And I'm a sensitive person. Like, don't get me wrong. But I'm feeling like I need to get, get this out. And it's great to have a platform for that. I'm very, very grateful. Thank you for listening, listeners. For our, we don't have any sponsors here. 
and that's okay. But if you would like to sponsor the show or take me out to lunch, do something nice for me or anyone else, that's always encouraged. You're listening to Mutiny Radio. I'm Roman. We have a great guest calling in at around 1245, and that will be Nicole Mashali. Nicole led his awesome workshop this past weekend that was really great. It was like one of these things where, and I feel self-conscious, and I get social anxiety in a lot of situations, and I feel un, maybe not unwelcome, but maybe unsure in a lot of situations, even in gay spaces, sometimes especially in gay spaces, designated gay spaces. And this workshop that Nicole led was fucking rad. Like, I didn't know anyone going in. It was at this awesome space called Bindlestiff, which is a great theater space. Um, I was in a show there this summer, and everyone I met there and worked with were fucking awesome. Like, just talented, creative, wonderful, kind, generous people. Really great space. And that's where the workshop was, and it was very much this, like, um, post-election, how the fuck do we deal with what's happening? Um, especially as marginalized folks, as activists, as artists, how do we channel our rage, our anger, our sadness into something more proactive? So it was just fuck, it was just really rad and really healing. So Nicole will be talking about some of the the activities and exercises that we went through. So hopefully for folks who are interested in also maybe exorcising some of those those feelings. Um, yeah, if you if you listen, keep on listening <laughs> at twelve forty five. Nicole, that's soon. I might not get to news stories before then, which is totally fine. Um, Nicole will be calling in. We'll be talking about some of these things that you can do at home, like things you can write, things you can, ideas that we can think about in terms of how to um, evolve, maybe is the word, um, some of the, our feelings into something more proactive and empowering. So I think that's really important. And also just a reminder that we're so not in the minority in terms of the the numbers. I mean, so few people actually voted for this person. Uh it, that it's like we're we're taught that we're and made to maybe feel like we're in the ma- minority, but that's not true at all. So I think the more empowered we feel and the more we recognize that we're not alone and there's a lot of us, the more we can maybe hold each other up and hold ourselves up. And I think that's really important. So that's that's what's going to happen on the show in a little bit. So stay tuned for that. There's a great, I think one of the greatest threads I think I've seen in a while. I posted, I was just like, hey, everyone, please comment your favorite anti-fascist songs. And it's been going on for, for weeks, and people have been posting some really incredible music. So I'm really thankful for that. If you have any ideas, also, please keep on. And that's, of course, of course we're going to fucking win because we got the great we got the great artists and the great music. And it's like, and it's just been so fucking awesome just seeing the different like the different folks I've met in my life posting their ideas and their songs that they like and different bands and artists it's just it's an incredible list and it's really it it's like yeah we are in the majority we are in the majority like we are it is the, the majority of the people are anti-fascist the majority of the people just want to fucking live so that's been great so i'm gonna see if i can play this as many songs like well, not as many because then i wouldn't talk at all and i gotta feed my ego a little bit but i wouldn't i do want to play some songs so we'll be hearing some more a little bit later on and i wanted to just Give a shout out to the folks who recommended some of the songs that we've played so far. So we open up the show with um, A La Barracadas, which is the uh, Spanish anarchist anthem. So I have to thank Brent for whoops, for suggesting that. Then we heard uh, Fascist by Minutemen. Thank you to James for that. And then uh, Billy Bragg and Wilco with their version of All You Fascists. And thank you to Chandra for recommending that one. So, uh, Yeah just a lot of a lot of good music and uh really wanting to appreciate that 
There's another article. I'm just going to go through the articles and then I'll maybe play music and then we'll get on. We'll have our interview at 1245-ish. There's another article on Vice. You can check it out. If you go to facebook.com slash weekly rev, you can check out more news articles there. And there was one about this 90-year-old woman who was talking about how like, she and her sister like seduced Nazis and then killed them. And I'm like, yes! And there's just so many like great points in this article. And it's we really need to like fucking think about our strategy. And it's I don't know where people are just being, and maybe myself included in that, being a little bit lenient, like, meh. But I'm hot. And I, like, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I want to fucking kill some Nazis. Like, I'm just thinking about it. I've been thinking about it for a long time, though. And it's as a grandchild of Holocaust survivor, that's I have this revenge like built into my like DNA. Like I fucking want that. I want to live in a world where everyone feels safe walking down the street and seeing these people who are out there like committing these heinous acts. Yes. I believe education is really helpful and that's a great method. And at the same time, we really need to be thinking about self-defense. So it was great to like read this article about this 90 year old woman and her sister and just thinking about what they did and everything and how we can maybe bring that back a little bit. That's real like fucking resistance. And also another interesting comment that she was talking about, she was saying how her family helped uh, some Jewish families. And she was saying that like her family was communist and some of the Jews that they were helping were, were capitalist. And as something that some people in this discussion, this fear of like the quote unquote alt-right or white supremacists or whatever you want to call them, neo-Nazis, is that people seem to forget if we're looking back at, you know, who, what defeated Nazism. And it's like, uh, communists, hello. Like, when you think about the folks who were out there fighting, um, when you think about, like, Russian and, like, just, it's, there's there's been so much anti-communism propaganda in this country. And if we're going to, like, look back and really, like, value who has fought back at Nazism, like, I think that's really a valid point to make and something really important to remember. So we live in this, I mean, this country is so like, it's so much propaganda, so much propaganda, so afraid, so, so afraid of anything other than capitalism. And meanwhile, capitalism's crumbling and making life terrible for a lot of us. So I'm, I'm ready, ready for something completely different. Maybe you are too. And that would be wonderful. So that was one article. So yeah, this this Milo person, he's coming to a few UC campuses. Um, I'm going to go down the list right now and just, uh, if you want to grab a pen or a paper, or if you're on a electronic device, you can uh, jot down some information about how you can contact. I'm going to start off with Berkeley because that's more local, but there's a lot of other places this person's going to be. Also want to recommend the site itsgoingdown.org, and they have a lot of great write-ups on there's one recently about the rich kids of fascism, why the alt-right didn't start with Trump and won't end with him either. And that's really talking about a little bit what I've been talking about as well with this idea that it's, white supremacy has been around for a really long time and it's not just like it's suddenly popping up. Yes, we were seeing, we're experiencing a rise in it and maybe a more openness about it, but it's been around for a really long time. So I recommend checking this site. And they also have like actions and just really explicit ideas of how to fight back and how to um, talk about these things. And yeah, and information to pass on, which I think is very, 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 very helpful. So I'm going to now bring up the information about contacting uh, these the folks at Berkeley, for instance. The Howard Zinn Book Fair happened a couple weeks ago, and that was great. And I didn't get a chance to talk about it because there's always so much to talk about. And that was fucking awesome. And they had so many great, like, I guess, programs, like speakers and just ideas popping around and it was the kind of thing I wish was happening every weekend. Cause there's so, it's so great. And there's one, one, uh, session I went to that was talking about 
like theater and just how to like kind of be active in like a space like what kind of actions can we take in a space as opposed to because there's a lot of let's talk about theory and I appreciate that and at the same time I'm really really into what can we do when we're in a physical space with someone what can we do to change the dynamic and so they were talking about like different ideas of what we can do for instance when this guy is coming to campus um whew. So I'm going to look for the the actual information right now here. And I just, yeah, there's like a lot of ways. I think that's also something really important to think about is that there's just a lot of different ways to fight back. We can do this stuff online. We can talk to people we know. We can show up in person. Uh, if you want to donate to like awesome organizations, uh, Mi Gente is a great organization I was just f- finding out about. And they helped with making sure that the evil sheriff, Joe Arpaio in Arizona, was not reelected. So... I think being very clear about the choosing the certain organizations and perhaps even individuals that you want to donate to is very, very, very helpful. So there's a lot of different ways. And I want folks to recognize there's a lot of ways to protest. You don't just have to be out in the streets. There's a lot of ways you can show up. Having conversations with people who disagree with you. Like, yes, I recognize me telling people to fuck off isn't, you know, the most conducive to finding an understanding. But sometimes you really just need to do that. So grab a pen and a paper if you have a pen and paper. And uh, jot this down. So the UC Berkeley Chancellor, Nicholas Dirks, his office, the phone number is 510-642-7464. And his email address is chancellor at berkeley.edu. And again, this is trying to get this Milo D-bag, you can call him whatever you want, uh, from not, to prevent him from not speaking at Cal on February 1st. And again, there have been people who, he just fucking had someone attacked. He attacked her. She's dropping out of school. She's a trans person. If you call yourself a fucking ally, step up, call the chancellor, tell them to not have this Milo guy speak at Cal. You can also call Dan Mogaluf. He's the assistant vice chancellor of public affairs. His phone number is 510-642-3715. His mobile number, 510-919-6954. His email address is dmogaluf at berkeley.edu. And again, that's D-M-O-G-U-L-O-F at berkeley.edu. There's also Michael Emerson Dirda, the communications manager of public affairs. And his email address is M-D-I-R-D-A at berkeley.edu. I know I said this very quickly, and you can find this if you go to itsgoingdown.org. And the article is No Fascists on Campus uh, Shut Down Milo at UC Berkeley. So you can find that information there. There's also a Facebook uh, invite as well, that's also linked to preventing this from happening. And there's a lot of different, I think, methods of trying to prevent this from happening. But it'd be great if he wasn't fucking welcome there in the first place, because it's really dangerous. It's really, really dangerous. And I get the folks keep on it. Same thing, same thing with the Trump. People are fucking arguing about, oh, free speech, free speech. And there's hate speech. People are, people are being attacked. So it, uh, you have to fucking stand up for people. You really, really do. It goes beyond the, oh, I disagree with someone. If someone is actively calling for someone to be harmed, that has to be stopped. And I really hate that because like, there is that part of me that's like, well, it's all or nothing. And it's really hard to draw the line because what offends one person might not offend someone else. And I think that's a really complex issue. And at the same time, I can't, I can't, stand, I can't stand any more people being attacked. I can't. We have, to, like, we have to draw the line somewhere. And unfortunately, this is where it is. So again, go to itsgoingdown.org, contact the UC Berkeley Chancellor, and write, call, do whatever you can um, to prevent him from going there. And also other schools. He'll also be at UC Davis, scheduled to be at UC Davis, and a few other schools as well. 
And um, I'm kind of like, I have a lot of things I want to say. I want to write online. I want to say on the show. And I'm going to keep them to myself, which may not be healthy, but I also want to protect myself. So, um, I, but I have a lot of rage towards this person and what he represents. He represents people being harmed, people who are already marginalized being harmed. And I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of vitriol for this person. So I'm going to keep it to myself. But if you and I would, if you would like to talk to me about this in person, I'd be very happy to have a conversation about ways we can, we can uh, stop people like this from speaking. There we go. That wasn't that cryptic, was it? I'm going to play an awesome song that uh, Blythe recommended. And this is by Solomon Burke. And this is called uh, None of Us Are Free. And yeah. Whew. Feels good to get this out. And again, I recognize with my anger about transphobia is also can be folks' anger about misogyny and racism and classism and ableism and xenophobia and Islamophobia, anti-Semitism. Like there's so many different, based on one's fucking identity, just living through, you know, it's hard enough to be alive in the world. And then when you throw identity in, in, into it as well, there's this, all these other things that make it so much harder to exist and people are just fucking act, asking to exist to be seen as real to for people to like respect our boundaries and when people can't do that then it's like how can you expect us to be calm about it how can you expect us to not be angry how can you expect us to not be violent like it's violence towards us so i'm i'm kind of reaching a breaking point to be honest and whew, i'm doing things to take care of myself and at the same time I know I'm not alone in reaching a reaching a point, and I think there's a lot of folks who are reaching a point where we can't sit around anymore. And yes, education's great, and at the same time, we need to organize. Well, you better listen, my sisters and brothers. There are voices still calling across the years And they're all crying across the ocean And they're crying across the land And they will to we all come to understand None of us are free None of us are free None of us are free One of us are changed can't see the light if you don't say it's wrong then that says it's right we got to try to feel for each other let our brothers know that we care got to get the message send it out loud and clear
Solamente tengo guitarra para llorar mi dolor. También tengo nueve hermanos fuera del que se engrilló. Los nueve son comunistas con el favor de mi Dios. Sí. Welcome back to the Weekly Review. I am very much happy to be joined right now by Nicole Mashali. Nicole, thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Sure thing. So I'll read your very quick bio. Uh, so Nicole Mashali is a, the director of entertainment for Mary Magazine and a screenwriter, producer, actor, and creatrix. And you can check out Nicole's website at NicoleMashali.com. Uh, thank you so much for calling in. Yes, I'm, I'm really happy this all worked out. <laughs> yeah, me too. So we met uh, this past weekend when you led an incredible workshop, which I've been singing the praises of, about just dealing with a post-Trump uh, life so far in, in America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was hoping... needed workshop. <laughs> definitely. It was very healing, and I felt so much better afterwards. Yay, I'm, I'm really happy. I, I have to give credit to my friend and artist, Janelyn Umitik, and she's the one who created the curriculum, and I just kind of sort of adapted it for theater folks. But yeah, her, uh, she does amazing work at El Puente in Brooklyn. Oh, very cool. Sweet. We definitely have some listeners who are in New York, so perhaps they can check it out. Yes, and I hope to also host more of these workshops. I'm based in Brooklyn, so um, when I get back, um, in February, I'll probably be hosting a lot more of these types of workshops in New York. Oh, excellent! Yeah. So, how did you how did you come across it in the first place? So, Janelyn, um, she's a really good friend of mine in New York, and uh, we're like sisters, soul soul sisters. And so, she actually texted me the week of the election results and said, "Hey, I'm." hosting this healing workshop and it was actually on 11 11 oh yeah yeah and um i'm huge into like numerology and things like that and so i was like it's meant to be i need to go to this workshop i also um that day i went to a boxing class so oh <laughs> nice I need to get all my aggression out first and then um her healing workshop was that night so it was like perfect timing helping my ego and my soul kind of deal with the results of the election. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel mm -hmm. like a, a lot of us have been going through that and really in need of um, sometimes some structured or not structured ways of dealing with these the feelings that we've been having. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, definitely, yeah. And we, I also protested 
that week too in New York City, and I think that really helped. Yes. As well, just feeling the solidarity with all the other New Yorkers. Yeah. Who felt the same way. Yeah, I heard there were like eight thousand people out like the following mm-hmm. day. Yeah. That's great. That that we took over basically um, Fifth Avenue up nice. to Trump powers awesome ah oh, mm-hmm. there's that feeling when you're in a crowd like that it just feels really uh empowering yes it felt so empowering and so great and i was able to share that experience with my best one of my best friends in new york and it was just like okay i feel really good now seeing all these people and knowing that we had the majority vote and knowing that you know majority of the country doesn't feel this way yeah exactly i think that's like <laughs> so important to remember is that it's not when one feels like uh, alone, just to remember that we're not by any means uh, in the minority in terms of how we feel and identify. Yes. And I think um, just the night of the election and seeing, you know, watching CNN and mainstream media and how they covered the election and just like the graphics that they were using. And, you know, you really, as just like a, a human being and you see like, just like this whole country divided between red and blue and then in the middle of the country is just all red it really makes you feel so like full of fear yeah i feel like and so uh disempowered that it really puts you in a place of um just loneliness and despair and depression and i know like the night of the election i was at um Lady Parts Justice, which is a nonprofit um, organization in Brooklyn for women's health rights and women's reproductive rights, and everyone was just watching the CNN graphics and bawling and crying and angry and just all the emotions you could think of, and seeing that just didn't help, <laughs> I feel like, but actually the next day going into the streets and finding people who felt the same way, who, who want positive change and progressive change in this country, um, and just being around those people and feeling that energy, I felt like was just so healing, too. And I think people forget that when they're at home alone, watching these things on mainstream media. Yeah, I feel like mainstream media is also really complicit in it, especially within the two-party system. They want us to feel afraid and mm-hmm. uh, isolated and powerless. Yeah, because that's where a lot of money goes to, is just fear and, you know, <laughs> um, making us feel like we need things that we don't. <laughs> yes, yeah, totally. Absolutely. It's all it's all complicit. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I was hoping we could talk about some of the activities that we covered in the, in the workshop, because I found them to be really helpful. And I was thinking some of the listeners might be able to partake in some of these at home and perhaps find some creative ways to use uh, just ways of maybe refocusing uh, or reframing some of the, the emotions that we felt and putting it out in a more proactive, empowering way. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Cool. Um, so the workshop is called Release, Remember, and Reclaim. Um, I kind of sort of adapted it, like I said, for theater folks and writers. Um, and I renamed it Good Vibes Workshop, but the original curriculum is Release, Remember, and Reclaim. So the first exercise that I had everyone do was um, a release exercise, and um, we did that by writing down things 
based on questions and prompts that I gave everyone about the election and everyone just writing down all their feelings and thoughts around the election, Donald Trump and everything that they've been feeling and hearing um, since November 8th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very good. I feel like writing is very powerful and any kind of art is powerful just to put something to, to like get it out of one's body in a way and just put it out in the material world can feel very uh, good. Just a way of kind of spreading it or at least not holding it inside. Just kind of like with therapy in a way, just talking about things can be, can be very helpful. Exactly. And um, something that Janelyn had said in her workshop when she facilitated the first time um, that I thought was really important to include in the one that I facilitated was that, you know, for a really long time, these people who are not all Trump supporters, but a number of Trump supporters were angry that Obama was president for the past eight years. Yeah. You know, and they kind of sort of bottled all that anger up. And when Trump became president-elect, there was such a surge of hate crimes all over this country from yeah. New York to Oakland yeah. that you could physically see the release happening. Yeah. You know, it's like um, a lot of white supremacists, a lot of neo-Nazis, a lot of alt-right were just going around where they lived and just harassing or physically being violent or, you know, um, graffitiing public spaces with um neo-nazi signs yeah and it was just like this is that was their relief you know very negative very unhealthy Mm -hmm. um and i feel like for more people who are more enlightened more progressive um the release for us we get to choose healthier ways of doing it and like you just said Writing and art <laughs> is a much healthier way to release than taking it out on people that, you know, and focusing your release on um, a certain group of people. Yeah. I think that's super unhealthy and it, it doesn't help anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes things worse. Yeah. It makes it worse. And um, so I feel like this release and the way we chose to do it in the workshop. Is much more healthier and positive way of doing it. Definitely. And so, like, we had a couple of prompts that we asked the participants. Um, like, one was, what is the thing that you fear most after results of the re-election, election from your communities? And another one was, what is one thing that you fear most after the results of the election for yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the kind of prompts that we asked. And um, people wrote down their feelings. Like it could be like something as simple as just one word or um, a whole sentence, a paragraph. Yeah, I found it was really helpful because there is that. Like from my own experience, there's like the stuff I fear for myself, and then also for people I'm close to. And being able to to speak that aloud um, just felt very validating. And to also be able to articulate it too, instead of just feeling like in my body, I could feel whatever that fear was and how that to to walk around in a body that feels afraid some of the time or angry some of the time, and then to put it into words and to try to explain it and also be able to share that with other people was really nice too, because I felt a lot less isolated in those feelings. 
Yeah, because I think, you know, especially with technology and things like social media, I think our automatic response is to release, like, on Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. But those aren't necessarily safe spaces. Yep. For us. <laughs> yep. Um, I personally had to defriend and block some family members even after the election results because mm. it was completely aggressive and violent, um, you know, space. Mm-hmm. After I started sharing my thoughts and feelings and fears, and yeah. these are legitimate fears. Like friends of mine have been attacked on the street, yeah, you know, um, by Trump supporters, and a number of my family members voted for Trump, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, and you know, and it's like social media is not a safe space. Nope. Um, and what I love about this workshop and the ones that we have facilitated thus far is like we make it a point to create a safe space for everyone so that everyone can share and come in with no judgment and share with empathy and kindness and peace yeah and hope yeah and you know and whatever they're bringing into the space and allowing them to release all that yeah any anything you know anything they, they need to and want to Yes. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's really important when you're releasing is to feel like you are in a safe space first. Yeah. Yeah, I really value that. I was mentioning earlier in the program how I think like a lot of folks um, have social anxiety. And even in spaces where I've been before, I don't always necessarily feel comfortable. And in this workshop, I mean, I came in, I didn't know anyone. And I really did feel very welcome. And I felt seen and heard. And that's something that I think a lot of folks don't necessarily feel on a regular basis. And to provide spaces like that is, I know there's like some folks who kind of push back and joke about the idea of a safe space, but it really is important that people feel welcome in a space and that people feel like they can share and be vulnerable because the more we can all be vulnerable, the more we can actually get to know each other and find the similarities that we have. Exactly. Exactly. And like put and kind of like just, break down those walls of fear that we've been kind of taught to bring up yeah. and like create to protect ourselves, you know, and, and there is a need for that sometimes in certain spaces, but I feel like with this, it's like with all the work that we're going to be doing in the workshop, it's really to our own benefit to just like take those walls away and break them down. Um, and allow yourself to be vulnerable. And I really appreciate um, you recognizing that and um, sharing that with your listeners today. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. Yeah, I really appreciated it. Um, another segment. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, like, another um, segment of the workshop that I really enjoyed uh, was the uh, From Victim to Vision. And mm, yeah. I thought that'd be a great thing to, to touch on because I do feel like there's so much trauma and so much hurt, even pre-election uh, that a lot of us have been right. going through and finding it's very easy to to like blame and find people or systems or things that have hurt us and to be trapped in that hurt a lot of the time. I myself do that a lot where I'm angry at a certain type of behavior and I feel just stuck in that so I can't quite act out of that or I can't push myself beyond that. And the part of the segment that I really liked was finding a way just to do that, to kind of move through the discomfort into a more proactive way of dealing with the the problems. 
Sure. And I just have to say before we go into the section that um, this was adapted from the El Puente Global Justice Institute, and oh. it's part of the work of David Gershon and Gail Straub at the Empowerment Institute oh, as right well. On. And um, this is actually something that I've also learned just within spiritual courses that I've taken um, with victimhood. A lot of people, and this not only goes to like people of color, LGBTQ, uh, Muslims, you know, it's not just people who are being targeted by Trump, Trump and Trump supporters. It's mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah. Right? Like, yes. Everyone in their entire life has somehow felt a victim. Yes. Um, and one of the char- or four of the characteristics of victimhood is one, blaming, mm-hmm. two, complaining, three, justifying, like I deserve this, you know, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. This all is because of me and it's my fault. Mm-hmm. And um, four, staying in a state of confusion. Mm. And uh, what I want to say about this is a lot of communities of color fall into this victimhood um, because a lot of communities of color have come from like like deep, deep, deep in like an ancestral level. It's like our ancestors are a lot of the time oppressed, you know? Yeah. Other countries would come in, colonize us, tell us that our spirituality or religion was wrong, and then basically control us because we fell into this victimhood of, of fear. Yes. Right. And so a lot of control happens when you fall into this victimhood. And in order to get out of that is to really first be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Be aware that you're doing one or two or three or four of all of these things and really like hold yourself to that and, and be like, OK, you know, I, I, I realize now like this is me just falling into victimhood and I want to empower myself and I want to move from victim to vision. Yes. Essentially. Yeah. And, and what we did was we reflected on how we personally, each of us fall into victimhood, Yeah, you know? And I think it takes a lot of work for someone to actually be like, Oh wow. I do that a lot. I yep. complain a lot on Facebook, yep. you know, I don't really do anything about it. Or, yeah. You know, even myself, like I blame a lot of my family members for voting for Trump. You know, mm-hmm. I was like super pissed and angry and I blame people closest to me for not voting. Um, and I was really, really angry yes. <laughs> for like a long time Yeah, and triggered Yes, for a while. And I, after this workshop, I realized like, oh yeah, I should, if I want to empower those around me, even those closest to me who are, you know, are not as enlightened or um, educated, mm-hmm. then I need to get out of this victimhood and instead, like, make proactive steps to enlighten them or educate them on what's really going on. Yes. Yeah. And one of those things was to start facilitating this workshop and sharing it with communities outside of New York mm-hmm. and bringing it to San Francisco and the Bay Area. Yeah. And I'm really glad you did. Yeah, I'm so, I'm honestly like, and Janelyn, she shares this curriculum on her website, and I have since shared it to all my friends. So it's like, it's to me, part of that victim to vision as well is, I see everyone as 
a light, right? Like um, a candle. Yes. And when we spread education and knowledge and wisdom and empowerment and tools to gain all those things, like, for example, this workshop, one candle can light another, can light another, can light another. Yeah. And soon everyone will be lit from within, right? Yeah. That fire, oh. that fire will take over. Oh. And we already know we are the majority here. We already know that people want progress. Yes. Um, and we've seen that with, like, Bernie Sanders rallies. Like, yep. the line is around blocks and blocks and blocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like people want that change, especially this younger generation. Yes. And that's who I feel for the most um, with Trump being president-elect. It's like, okay, he's going to do all these things, but really it's going to affect the much younger generation who are growing up right now. And so in order to, you know, really fight that, it's like we have to educate and share our knowledge and wisdom to not only each other, but the younger generation too. Yeah. And so I feel like this workshop helps do that in a healthy way and it allows us to be empowered yeah and not only our communities and politically but within ourselves because these these things that we we teach in this workshop it's not just something that you can take you know to a discussion about politics but it's like these are things that you can use and tools you can use and skills you can use as yourself like when you're going through a relationship that's not working out that's toxic for you or, you know, a job situation mm -hmm. that is just, like, the worst. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know? So it's, like, these are tools that you can use every day. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's just, it's so, it's great. And I really love your analogy about the, the lighting of the, it reminds me of Hanukkah, too, just, like, the lighting of the candle and how mm -hmm. one goes to the other and how there is, like, enough to go around. And just remembering yeah. that. And it also reminds me of like the, the Black Panthers, like with the idea of each one teach one and how we yeah. all kind of expand our, our knowledge and reach out to, to, and all it takes is just for you to teach someone else and then they can teach someone else and so on and so forth. Exactly. And it, I mean, it also reminds me of my, so my mom also attended the workshop and she grew up during a time before internet, before social media, before smartphones. And she essentially said, you know, when we were organizing back in the 60s, we have to do a phone tree. Yeah. So, like, you, one person would call 10 of their friends. And yes. And those 10 people would call 10 of their friends. Yes. And then those two, you know, and it's like, I feel like, to a certain extent, we have to forget about Facebook yep. and do that on a very personal level because you see stuff, you get so bombarded with things and people just get oversaturated with technology and information. Yes. But it's like, how do you you know, sift through all of that, you know, how is it hitting you personally? And it's not, it's just a bunch of words on the screen. But when you actually see like a friend that, you know, affected by it or a friend that you, that, you know, and trust tell you on ways to empower yourself, to release, to remember who you really are and remember that connection that you have, not just, you know, with yourself, but just everyone in this world, then it's like, you you want to make that change? Yeah, like definitely. Yeah, they're just clicking a like button. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the I mean the personal is political, and I think storytelling also goes a long way. Just when so you know you meet someone who might be part of a part of a group that you didn't know about, and then that then you can relate to them and empathize, and then mm -hmm. they can go on and 
and teach their friends. I've been a storyteller for the past 10 years, and I can personally say when people can connect on your story in a very personal level and you can evoke feelings, that's healing. Yes. That's, you know, giving yourself and being vulnerable and also allowing people to see that they are connected to you um, through that story. And so that's another form of healing. Yeah. And also just the reminder that, you know, everything is and everyone is connected. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the sooner people realize that, that, you know, they realize that every, you know, all of our actions affect other people. Exactly. And if you take away the race, the religion, the, you know, gender, it's like, essentially, we are all, we're all connected. Yep. You know, like, we all have stories that relate to each other. Yes. And it's like, I think Trump's whole platform was the us versus them. Yeah, definitely. You know? And and we can't think that way anymore. Yeah. Like the future of this planet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a, something else entirely, too. The yeah. environment. Exactly. Like we can't think, oh, you know, I'm just going to, who cares about this pipeline oh. thing, you know? Oh. Who gives a crap? It's like, you should. <laughs> yeah. Because your future generations, your children's children's children are going to be, like, burning up on this planet. <laughs> There's going to be droughts all over the world. There's going to be no water left. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No uh, drinkable water. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <sighs> well, I really... I have, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say I have, like, five more minutes left. But oh, sure, <laughs> yeah. I could talk days about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like yeah. we definitely could go on for quite a while. Yeah. It's And it feels really good, too, to have these conversations. And it, it goes beyond the um, feeling alone and just to also recognize that we're, what we're feeling, a lot of it is is universal. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and even yeah. Going, going back to the whole, like, the the, the victim-to-vision thing, like, the, the complaining and the blaming, I also identify a lot with that. And um, just finding, yeah, finding ways to recognize that and move beyond that. I really, really appreciate. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of times, especially if Trump becomes, I'm like, still, I still have hope for December 19th. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone's like, that's yeah. a fantasy. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I still have hope for December 19th. But if Trump becomes president, I feel like. Every person in this country, like, moving forward, even if he doesn't and Hillary becomes president, right? It's like moving forward, we have seen firsthand, like, we can't live in complacency anymore. Yep. Yeah. We don't have the luxury to go about our lives in a very selfish, capitalistic, greedy way anymore as a country, as just people of this earth. Yeah. Like, we all have to be very intentional about our relationships, about our choices, about the environment that we want to create and live in. Yeah. Because come January, whoever becomes our president, we all, as people, have to get come together. Yeah. And, and, and be intentional about everything that we do for our highest good. It can't be like, oh, I'm just going to, like, smoke a bowl and 
play video games all day. You know, it's like, no, like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. We just, we just can't as a people, like we don't have that luxury anymore. Yeah. And I think we t- have to, and change starts with each of us. Yes. And, it, and we have to remember that. Totally. And I think to a degree, like we haven't ever had that luxury. Like it's, it's always people. And that's the thing I think is that has been frustrating for some folks who have mm-hmm. been for a long time speaking out against white supremacy within government, within law enforcement, um, within its supporters, and just knowing that this has been around for a really long time. I mean, since colonials kind of came here, like this is a foundation of what this nation is. And I think now it's so broad and so in front of people's faces that people can no longer deny it. Yeah. It's like uh, one of the people in the first workshop I went to, it's like the iron curtain has been lifted. Yeah. And everyone can see like, Oh, yeah, this government is completely run by corporations. Yep, yeah. And, like, look who Trump is putting in his cabinet. Heads of Exxon, heads of Goldman Sachs, like. Yeah, oh, it's, like, the worst of the worst. It's, like, he's not even hiding it, you know? Yeah. Yep, this is, I'm draining the quote-unquote swamp, but I'm putting, like, billionaire, like, members in there. Yeah. He, like, drained the swamp of the poor, you know? (laughs) Oh. Yeah. And now he's just putting billionaire corporate, you know, heads of corporations there. So, um, yeah, we don't have that luxury at all mm-hmm. uh, to, to keep our heads in the sand. Like, we all have to be super intentional about everything that we do. Yes. Even, like, from the products that we buy to, like, yes. you know, yes. things that we support. Yeah, definitely. And how we spend our time, too. Exactly. Yeah. How we spend our time. Yeah. Well, I, I really... Um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm getting off Facebook January 21st. <laughs> <laughs> That's One a, of the things that I'm um, going to be committed to. Yeah. That's a that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, I really appreciate you um, calling in and sharing your insights and experience uh, with the listeners and with myself. I really appreciate you coming to the workshop and sharing your presence and your energy. Um, And I'm so grateful for this opportunity to speak on your podcast. Um, And if you ever want me back anytime, I will definitely call in for you. Oh, for sure. That'd be great. Yes. Thank you, Roman. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. Big, big, big thank you to Nicole Mashali for calling in. And you can check out Nicole's website. I am going to bring up that address right now. Uh, so folks can go check out and see what Nicole is doing. And that is www.nicole, and it's M-A-X-A-L-I dot com. And uh, so Nicole's based in New York and then also is out here in the Bay Area for a little bit. Um, so yeah, thanks again so much for bringing the workshop out here for calling in and yeah, I, that's my, my favorite part of doing the show is getting to speak to people and, uh, it just, I feel warm and fuzzy and I feel like that idea of that, that light being passed around and that absolutely is what is what this is. And, uh, I hope folks who are listening also are able to get a lot out of this and find ways to move through um, what we're doing and move through like the 
psychological effects of what the you know what's happening right now and ways to empower ourselves so i'll be playing a bit more music and then we'll be back uh with uh, finishing up the show in a little bit so stay tuned So you think I'm alone? I'm your masters of war Here they build the big guns 
Is it Bill that has planes? Is it Bill all the bombs? Is it hide behind walls? Is it hide behind discs? I just don't want you to know I can see through your masks. You that never done nothing. But build to destroy You play with my world Like it's your little toy You put a gun in my hand And you hide from my eyes And you turn and run farther When the fast bullets fly Like Judas of old You lie and deceive A world war can be won You want me to believe But I see through your eyes And I see through your brain Like I see through the water that runs down my drain You fasten all the triggers For the others to fire And then you sit back and watch When the death count gets higher You hide in your mansion While the young people's blood Flows out of their bodies And is buried in the mud He's thrown the worst fear That can ever be hurled Fear to bring children Into the world For threatening my baby Unborn and unnamed You ain't worth the blood that runs in your veins How much do I know But to talk out of turn You might say that I'm young You might say I'm unlearned But there's a one thing I know I'm younger than you That even Jesus would never forgive what you do Let me ask you one question Is your money that good? Or will it buy you forgiveness? Do you think that it could? I think you will find When your death takes its toll All the money you made will never buy back your soul And I hope that you die And your death will come soon I follow your casket 
on a pale afternoon And I watch while you lord down to your deathbed And I stand over your grave till I'm sure that you're dead And welcome back to the Weekly Review. Thanks again to Nicole for calling in. Great conversation. I uh, played some more awesome music for you all here. That, of course, was Bob Dylan with Masters of War. Thank you to Michael for recommending that one. And before that, we heard Janelle Monet with Cold War. And big thank you to Rosa for recommending that one. Before that, we heard the first part of From Monument to Masses. Thank you, Kate, for suggesting that song as well. We also heard uh, Violetta Parra with La Carta. La Carta. So um, thank you for uh, recommending that one. And that person, ah, I'm going to find your name and thank you, give you an adequate gratitude, an adequate thank you. So yeah, it's really important to remember that we're not alone in all this. And I feel like music can be really helpful. It's always helpful. It's always awesome and great. And then when we recognize how many people have been uh, just singing about how we all need to be free is uh, for a long time. And it's great to have art to help us get through and to uh, push us along. So I think that's... That's pretty wonderful. There's some more stories to get to, of course. Um, There was, uh, in North Carolina, there's a lot of governors in the United States that I'm not a fan of, and I think that's putting it very, very mildly. (sighs) Pat McCrory, who lost his re-election bid in North North Carolina, he's the dude who was, like, uh, putting forth the, the... really problematic anti-trans bathroom bill. Now, if you're someone like me, if you're someone in the world who has been um, asked to leave a bathroom that you were in, that's a really traumatic thing. Imagine, if you haven't experienced it, imagine you're in a public place, private, doesn't even matter really, but you're, you're in a place, you have to go to the bathroom as we all do, and imagine someone follows you into that bathroom and asks you to leave. Imagine, if you haven't experienced that, just what that might be like to be told that you somehow don't belong in a place that you know that you belong and also trying to take care of yourself in, uh, in a way. It, it, that's the thing too that comes up again and again. It's this idea that people somehow feel like they can police each other based on people's bodies and that they somehow know people better than they know ourselves, all under the guise of wanting to also to protect women, protect children, um, but not really wanting to protect women who happen to be trans and children who happen to be trans as well. Like not a, it's, it's really, they're the ones who are causing the problems. That's what we're seeing. <sighs> I would like to not get super worked up. Um, cause I, I do recognize that. Um, yeah, I'm in a, I, I, every time I speak to guests, I feel a lot more confident and calm and collected. And I feel less alone because I come here and I'm in the studio and talking a lot about what's what's happening and it feels like it's very easy to get wrapped up in it and it's something to it, it you know what's happening does feel very frustrating and scary and being able to talk about it with people it feels very proactive so getting back to the whole trans thing so this pat mccrory 
motherfucker. Like the hell, the, all the, this transphobic stuff, a lot of it's backlash too. The more people speak up for themselves and argue for equal rights, not special rights, but equal rights to use the bathroom. Um, people, again, they can't, they need to keep, continue to find people to scapegoat, to oppress. And so, so that happens. And so Pat McCrory lost the governor, the bid to remain governor of North Carolina. And now the Republicans are causing a coup in North Carolina and people have been protesting and journalists have been arrested. And that's when, you know, things are, I mean, things, you know, things are fucked up anyway, but like when they are having, when they're having journalists be arrested and that's the thing that feels really problematic and people, um, suggest that, Oh, things are totally great in this country. And then journalists are being arrested. So that, how, how can you defend that? How can you defend people who just want to speak the truth, report the truth when they are being targeted? What, what is one's logic to, to defend that? So I feel that's very important to, to recognize and to, to call out. So we'll be talking about that in a little bit. I'm currently at the moment, because I want to be super transparent. Sometimes it's a fault to be super transparent. Maybe there's a, it should be, there should be some mystery about what's, what's happening. I oftentimes think about, not oftentimes, but occasionally enough, I think about Howard Stern show when he had the video camera in his studio. Not that like I have, I mean, I think it'd be cool to have a video, but it's not that crucial. But I was just looking up the name of the person who recommended the Violetta, Violetta Para song, and that was Karen. So thank you, Karen, for recommending that song. That's what I was doing. I was biding time while I was looking for that. So going into the news stories, the news stories, we really want to know what's happening in the news, what's happening in Syria. And that's the thing, too, is that there's, of course, this, this crackdown on fake news. And, of course, people should be informed, but then also recognizing that there's a lot of bias in the news and there's a lot of bias in mainstream media. Like, I have my own bias. Like, where am I hearing my information from? I do feel like I'm probably a lot more fucking reliable than mainstream media in that no one's fucking paying me to say anything. I'm here, my own time. I'm speaking. I speak to activists. I speak to organizers. Um, I want to share voices that might not be heard out in super mainstream spaces. And that's why I do this. So I trust folks who are doing things because they believe in it as opposed to someone who's being paid to say something. And as an actor, I think we all can experience that. What's, what it's like to be, it doesn't even have to be in an advertisement. Although I've heard so many stories of like actors who have been in advertisements. There's like the big pothead. I don't know who's a big pothead. It was like a friend of a friend who was in an anti-drug ad and in a dare ad. And he, of course, was a big, big, I don't know. Pot, I don't necessarily believe pot is a drug too. It's medicine. Long story short, people get paid to do things that are kind of against their morals or maybe against what they stand for. I know someone who happens to be a vegan who is in a KFC commercial. True story. So these are choices we make. I used to work at an ad agency and I got a promotion. And uh, the first project I had to work on, our client was Taco Bell. And the product that I had to push forward was the beefy cheesy melt. I at the time was a vegan and that caused a lot of cognitive dissonance. And eventually I had to quit because I was like, I cannot put forward something that I myself would not consume that I do not believe in. And that's the problem with capitalism. It's not like it's easy. I had a luxury of being able to 
to to quit. Like I was at a very privileged place where I was able to make that choice. And I think, uh, unfortunately, a lot of folks are not in a place where we can choose what we want to do. A lot of folks are in debt. A lot of folks, in terms of like the jobs that are offered too, you can get a job at a weapons manufacturing plant. Uh, why is that? <laughs> why is that even a fucking job? Like, why do we even need weapons? Why? The fact that that's a, an option. Uh, the fact that like the idea of being a cop is an option. That the violent, like, there's more violent. Why are there like you know militarized cops? That's an option, and not really police that are peaceful or people who are not even the, even the word police, but even people who are out there being paid to be peaceful being paid to help people. Like, I guess those are doctors or however one wants to look at that. But what about something else where folks are, can support themselves and be compensated for going out to help people? And there are some positions like that. There are some careers like that. And I feel like we need more of that instead of careers where people end up hurting one another. And I guess it all depends on one's way one looks at it. If one wants to defend the state, they might think that they're doing the right thing. So that's another conversation for another time. I just wanted to point that out. Huh. So it's, it's, it's tricky. It's very tricky. And this is how the things work out. I've got something that's um, interesting. The first ever police victim memorial to be erected in the U.S. And so I want to talk about that. So here in San Francisco, Alex Nieto was one of the many people who has been murdered by the San Francisco Police Department. And uh, there have been a number of protests and folks have... He was, for folks who don't know, he was this young man and he was in school and he was working as a security guard and he was at uh, this park, Bernal Heights Park, which is near where he grew up. He was sitting down eating a burrito, some gentrifier. Some folks came by, thought he looked suspicious and they called the police on him, even though he's grown up here. Police came and they ended up murdering him and then the cops got off. So there have been a lot of people working to keep his name alive and really hold the police accountable. Because again, this is one of the many times the situations when police have murdered someone. And so this article is from uh, Matt Agorist, and it came out on December 15th. And this is from the the Free Thought Project. Uh, So the article, as as, uh, I'll I'll read it. Uh, When police officers die while doing their jobs, the community comes out en masse to pay their respects. Roads are closed, miles-long processions fill the streets, and the entire community mourns loss of life. However, when we compare that treatment of how a person who is killed by police is treated, a glaring difference arises. The victims of police violence, even when entirely innocent, have their pasts dragged through the media to shame them, the absolute worst pictures of them plastered across the web, and they receive little to no sympathy from their community, who is always quick to claim they deserved it. What happens when communities go against the paradigm of victim shaming and unquestioning support of police, though? Well, people become less blinded by their apologist indoctrination, and they look at these killings with an objective mind. This is the case in San Francisco, whose community members have just decided to erect the first ever government-sponsored memorial to a victim of police violence. Naturally, this choice to remember a victim of police outside of the normal smear campaigns in the media is causing quite the shitstorm among cops. And uh, this week, according to CNS, the Board of Supervisors voted 9-1 to to erect a memorial for Alejandro Alex Nieto. I wonder who that one person is. I'm thinking it's Mark Farrell. We'll, we'll, we'll check in and see if I'm correct. Uh, 
a 28 year old Latino man who was shot and killed by po- four police officers at Bernal Heights Park on March 21st, 2014. Nieto was shot 14 times after police mistook the taser from his security job for a pistol. Lieutenant Jason Sawyer and officers Roger Morris, who's a fucking murderer. Roger Morris is a fucking murderer. I have to say that. There was a graffiti I saw. This is a side note. This is not in the article. Side note, in the Castro ones, I saw some graffiti that said Roger Morris is a, is a murderer. Right there. Uh, Richard Schiff and Nathan Chu were cleared of any wrongdoing, despite the excessive amount of shots fired at this innocent man who posed no threat. Before being brutally executed, Nieto was a practicing pacifist and Buddhist. He was particularly active in trying to make his community a better place for everyone. As a member of the Mission Peace Collaborative, he was attending college on a full scholarship while studying criminal justice and worked as a secu- as worked security at a nightclub to provide for his family. His goal was to become a probation officer to help guide troubled youth in a pr- positive direction. Nieto's death and the officer's exoneration sparked a massive outpouring of resistance during which citizens held mock trials to show what would have happened if these cops were actually held accountable. The death was divisive among police and the citizens, which is why District 2 Supervisor Mark Farrell, the single no vote on the memorial, is so outspoken against it. I thought, oh, man, he's the worst. Farrell says the memorial sends the wrong message to the men and women of our police department who put their lives on the line every day. Mark Farrell. Mark Farrell is also the, the guy, one of the, he, both he and Scott Wiener were the two supervisors behind the, the horrible Prop Q um, proposition, which unfortunately passed, which is to ban tents. So people who are on the streets who are living in tents, they wrote a fucking proposition to ban tents under the guise that they should, you know, provide that the city would provide more housing. Although recently the the wait list to get into a shelter is over one thousand people long in San Francisco. Whew. Continuing on, that mother. However. According to Courthouse News, District 10 Supervisor Malia Cohen vehemently rejected Farrell's insinuation that supervisors could not memorialize the tragic shooting death of Nieto while also recognizing the contributions and sacrifices of police officers. Well, we'll, we'll differ in that way. If law enforcement wants to be recognized, all they have to do is ask the same way the community has asked, Cohen said. The police union is highly outspoken against memorials for their victims of any kind because they would be everywhere. There's been 1,000, I checked yesterday, 1,025 people have been murdered by police in the United States this year alone. 1,025 people have been murdered by police in the United States this year, 2016. There'd be memorials everywhere. This whole fucking country would be a memorial when you think about it. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay, where was I? Okay, so the police union is highly outspoken against memorials for the victims of any kind. Union President Martin Halloran voiced his objection, such things as hurtful to the families of law enforcement officers. Are you fucking kidding me? Ridiculous. 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 Okay. However, one council member took that notion and blew it apart. We specifically rejected that false choice, District 9 Supervisor David Campo said. We take the loss of life of one of our citizens as seriously as we take the loss of life of one of our officers. With so much unaccountable killing and violence from police, this memorial will serve as a reminder to the community that police are not perfect. That's putting it mildly. And blindly referring to them all as heroes is a slippery slope down the path of tyranny. This means everything, Oscar Salinas, a member of the Justice for Alex Nieto Coalition said, but this is just the beginning. Parents and kids for generations can walk to that hill and talk about what happened to him. 
With so many memorials devoted to those who have served their country, it is certainly heartening to begin memorializing those whose country destroyed them. Wow. So again, you can check out this article at thefreethoughtproject.com, and the uh, writer of the article is Matt Agarist. And that reminds me of a song that Ribri suggested, so I'm going to play that now. And, whew, yes. So this is KKED by Alas. And, yeah, um, oof, ugh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my goal is to one day um, transcribe these shows. And, again, if you'd like to help out with that, I would really appreciate that. There's a lot of great conversations, and it'd be also great to have something that's a non-audio version of the show. So I'm also just wondering how sometimes with my, uh, the noises I make, <laughs> um, onomatopoeia, is that the right word for it? The, uh, ah, ah how that would be transcribed. So here's a song called KKED by Alas. And um, as I bring that up, just uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you're a listener, first-time listener, last-time listener, hopefully not a last-time listener. Gosh, where did that come from? That happens when I just speak off the cuff. Um, I hope you continue listening. If you've been listening before, I really, really do appreciate it. If you don't comment at all, that's fine. If you like what's happening, if you have suggestions, comments, please do contact me. Again, if you're listening, I really do appreciate it. So thank you so much. Dave always tried to kick me out after this one. Alright. Fuck it. Huh. Here we go again. I kill cops every day, I kill the cops in my head. We kill cops every day, we kill the cops in my head. Kill the cop every day, kill the cop in your head, kill the cop in your head, kill the cop in great song thanks again to ribri for recommending that so we're coming to the end of the program stay tuned because coming up at 2 p.m will be 
Global Vow with Women's Magazine, followed by the Common Thread Collective. Both are fucking awesome shows. Really great shows, so please do stay tuned. If you are a performer, performer, or if you like to read poetry, if music, um, if you're into talking about current events, pol- I mean, I, the word I was thinking of was politics, but that seems a little bit off. But like anything at all, and you have something to say, please do come by the Common Thread Collective here at Mutiny Radio from 3 to 6 p.m. because it's an open mic. Everyone's welcome. It's a really great space. Lots of great folks sharing their work. So that's pretty awesome. And you should do that. A few other things before we go. Uh, there's just some, uh, there's like a link also provided on the Weekly Review Facebook page about how just to, to for folks to be aware of the, the new neo-Nazi makeover, just don't be fooled by it. And they were saying that they're going from changing the swastika and there's another um, symbol that similar, kind of looks like a ribbon, like the ribbon that folks would wear. Um, on their lapel, but it's like pointy. I guess that's the best way of describing it. So, and folks are saying it, it could stand for anything, but it goes back to, it was adopted by the Nazis as well. So it's kind of like a, it's like a square with uh, two little legs underneath it. And so the national uh, socialist movement apparently has, they've dropped the swastika in order in favor of the, it's called the Othala the Othala rune, and that's O-T-H-A-L-A-R-U-N-E as their official symbol. So just for folks to keep that in mind, because uh, you got to know your enemy. While well, we still have enemies, and again, we've got to be aware of what's what's happening. And so it's their it's part of their movement from neo-Nazis. I'm pretty much just reading the, uh, the video here to alt-right. The Detroit-based organization is making the change in an attempt to become more integrated and more mainstream. So also watch out for these fuckers. Just putting it out there. Mark Farrell. <clears throat> And so, yeah, this video, our nation's white supremacists are undergoing a rebranding and they hope to appeal to a whole new audience in this new era. That's really scary. They have a photo of families uh, under president uh, elect. Yeah. Uh, The push is to make America racist again. And I think it's always been racist. So I don't know about that again in part, but just, yeah, it's really important to recognize what folks who are hurting us are, are doing and uh, just to be aware of this and to talk about it and not to, pre- to pretend that it doesn't exist. I wanted to go back to the, I was talking about North North Carolina and how a lot of governors I despise. Sam Brown back of Kansas, Scott Walker, Wisconsin. He's been up up there for a long time. Rick Scott of Florida. Oh, the dude in Maine. LePage, I think is his name. Oh, bleh, bleh. Jan Brewer, she's still around in Arizona. Yeah, ugh, ugh. You know, ugh. People, that's a the theme of this show. People in positions of power who hurt people. I mean, I don't like anyone who hurts people, and I recognize that we all hurt people. I hurt people. Like, it's all part of living under capitalism is this, we're designed to hurt one another and oppress one another, and we get pushed around, and it almost seems inevitable that we'll do that. I'm thinking about the big, in terms of folks who are at the very top. You know, you want to punch upwards. You want to really get at the folks who are passing legislation that hurt people, people who are viciously attacking folks and encouraging others to do the same. People with a lot of, people with a lot of power who are in paid positions who are hurting people. So this is from... Uh, Mindy Fishner. Oh, this is a. Oh, yeah. Mindy Fishner is the writer of this article. <sighs> and the the page it's from. Oh, it's, it's this. So she's the writer. So Mindy Dash Fisher. Uh, FS. FS. It's the end of the show. So I'm like, blah. FI. I'm making an excuse, but it's true. F I S C H E R dash writer.com. Mindy dash Fisher dash writer.com. So I'm going to read a little bit about this because I think it's important that we recognize what the fuck's happening. North Carolina legislative coup 
public barred from viewing protesters and journalists being arrested. Yikes. I mean, if the journalists are being arrested, the thing is that we're going to like have, we need to like find out what's happening and we can't really depend on the mainstream media. So we need to report it. So I'm super, like super, 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 super duper, duper indie. And I feel like it's our duty to kind of talk about what's happening because if I was being arrested, I don't want someone else to be like, Hey, by the way, this is what's happening. Got to get the word out. Got to stay awake. This is from December 15th. I'll start reading the article. Um, and Val will be coming in shortly. Uh, most likely. What the hell is going on in North Carolina right now is how the article starts. And there's a picture of uh, Pat McCrory. Monday night, North Carolina Republicans are attempting to rush through legislation that will strip power from their incoming Democratic governor and state sup- Supreme Court. They have just banned any public viewing or journalists from observing the proceedings, and now they're arresting protesters and at least one journalist. Slate is reporting, the North Carolina General Assembly is currently debating a series of Republican-sponsored laws designed to strip power from the newly progressive governor and state Supreme Court. If passed, these measures would have far-reaching effects on the state, significantly curtailing judicial independence, loosening environmental standards, diminishing the quality of public education, and preserving unlawful voter suppression laws. However, the public was not able to witness the debate over this de facto legislative coup on Thursday afternoon after the assembly decided to close the House and Senate galleries and arrest a group of protesters as well as a reporter. They're fucking arresting the press. Do you need any more reason to not trust the cops? Can I, I mean, I feel like every week I give you another reason, another few reasons. Who are you serving? Who are you protecting? And there's a photograph here of a woman who's been uh, in handcuffs and this is not about democracy this woman said as she walked past me and this is just a they have a few photos they've got some video footage here Uh, senate gallery being cleared senate leaders say they were disrupting session oh goodness gracious Um, and that was not there we go you can hear some of what's happening there play this video as well see if we can get any audio so you can get a sense so good for the people for standing up and good for the people for protesting again going back to the beginning i kind of like when that happens when i don't necessarily plan what's going to happen and then it's like oh it all kind of comes together talking about protests and how important they are people showing up and being like no this is wrong north carolina republicans have apparently gone insane i don't see how you can call this anything but a coup and again and also, like, I recognize there's some problematic ableist wording with it, with the idea of insane and what that is. Um, also, fucking McCrory was, like, not okay in the first place when he was creating, legis- and signing into, like, legislation that would prevent people from going to the bathroom. Preventing people from going to the bathroom. I mean, like, if you're going to prevent people from going to the bathroom, causing a coup is, like, of course he is. Like, how can we expect anything different from these people? Whew. Some people say I should go into politics. I don't trust the system, but I do have a lot of anger and a lot of ideas. But my ideas of going into the system would be to dismantle the system. So I don't know how useful I would be. Continuing on, with both legislative chambers cleared, the assembly will continue debating the new proposals into the evening. The public has no way to watch the debate. A bill preventing Democrats from taking control of state and county election boards as they were slated to do under the current law has already passed the Senate. Republicans hold a supermajority in both chambers due to race-based gerrymandering that was recently ruled unconstitutional. Wah. 
Um, I was also going to mention on a side note that another pipeline leaked. That's something else that happens. It's like, oh, cops are murdering people. The pipelines are leaking. News at 11 <laughs> every day. You can play that on a loop. I really enjoy performers. I enjoy all performers and love shares and people who create and share things. And um, I don't know the, the terminology for it, but there's like a recording device. I'm sure someone's going to be like, oh, how can you not know this, Roman? But I, there's a device where they, musicians or artists, like they like step on a, a pedal of something and they record it. And then it plays back. You know what I'm talking about. And I feel like I could do that just over and over again. Like, pipelines are leaking. Cops are murdering people. I'm sure the U.S. is, like, dropping bombs somewhere. Like, <laughs> trans people are being harassed. It's every day. Every day. Um, that's play that on a loop. I guess the idea is to figure out how we can stop that. I'm going to keep going. Uh, Val should hopefully be coming in soon. It's 154 here. Perhaps I'll end on, a, I'll end on some music because music's great. And the two o'clock hour is approaching. Again, go to itsgoingdown.org to find out how you can stand up and try to prevent this Milo hate mongerer from speaking at Cal and a lot of other places. Have conversations with people in your life, family members, coworkers, classmates, uh, friends, people, if you do feel comfortable, that is. If you do feel comfortable talking to them. And also, I think sometimes it comes in handy if what's happening is that folks who are not part of the group that's being targeted um, so we can like stand up for each other. So white folks standing up to white supremacists, cis folks standing up to transphobes, uh, men standing up to men's rights activists. Gross, gross, gross. Um, what can we do? How can we look out for each other on this? I think if we can just figure out a way to really honestly have each other's backs. So a lot of us who are in marginalized groups don't have to defend our own existence and explain our own oppression. That would be great. If we, quoting Alpha Space, if that would be great. If we could do that, if we could find a way to really um, support one another. And I know it's easier said than done, but to actively speak out on one another's behalf, then we would make things a lot easier for everybody. So I'll leave you on that note. What a great show. Thanks again to Nicole for fucking calling in. I don't know why I'm swearing, but I'm just excited. And that was just a really great conversation. And again, that workshop was wonderful. So I really wanted to uh, say that, uh, appreciated that and, and having the talk and it just feels really, again, we need to connect with each other more and it's great when that happens. So keep it up, everybody. Keep on being you. Thank you for listening and surviving in this world. It does, it's not easy. So I appreciate folks showing up as you're able and being kind and nice and stuff. Okay. Ah. I'm going to end up with that song that I started playing before, uh, that th thanks to Kate for recommending it from monument to masses.
always shown that you 